Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hey y'all, it is Julie. And welcome to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Now today's episode is about something that I have literally never discussed on this podcast, and that's because it's never happened to me while I have had a podcast. I am pregnant. Yes, I am having another baby. Not just me. I have a husband who is also having another baby. But those two words are something that honestly I never knew if I would say on this podcast or ever say again in my life. And uh, we will get to that in a moment. But first, let's just have a little moment. Let's take that in. It's really exciting and overwhelming and amazing and awesome and all of those things to be able to say that I am pregnant, I'm going to have another child in a matter of like six-ish months. So there are, of course, a lot of things that are really exciting about this, but one of the most exciting things is that I get to share this journey with you this time around. Um, When I had my son Camden over six years ago, um, I did not have the business that I had today. I definitely didn't have a podcast. I barely had an Instagram. So it's really amazing to be able to have this opportunity for us to really connect on a more personal and intimate level. Now, if you've been a listener for a while now, you know that we've shared a lot together already, right? We've grown our businesses together. We've tackled a lot of limiting beliefs. We've shifted our mindsets on things. We've really conquered things that I think it's safe to say that we never thought we would in pursuit of the life that we all want. But now our relationship gets to change. It's going to be like me and you, sis, getting way more personal. And to be honest, I'm, I'm finally ready to do that. And being finally ready to open more of me personally up is something that doesn't really come very natural to me. So I do, yes, I do think of myself as someone who is warm and open and friendly and pretty much an open book. I'm an extrovert and silly and I'm a truth teller and a truth seeker. And I don't hold a lot back when it comes to a lot of stuff, but I'm not someone who has ever really felt natural sharing a lot of my personal life within my brand and business. I've really always looked at my brand as a business And that has always felt natural to me. It felt very natural for me to be personal and vulnerable with you about my business growth and the challenges that I've faced as an entrepreneur and, you know, really where my limiting beliefs and lack of confidence and how I, you know, try to overcome those things, you know, getting open about that. And I do my best to give you some experience, strength, and hope along the way through all of that, that feels right to go there for me, to be vulnerable there and to share there. What doesn't or what hasn't, I guess, always come naturally to me is being vulnerable about more personal things in my life in a very public way, 
like uh, my family, my marriage, growing up um, in an alcoholic home, the fact that I've been through a divorce that happened in my 20s. And I think that that can have its positives and its negatives. So for one, I'm a believer in kind of being really careful with who you share your most personal and intimate stories with. I think there is a massively huge difference between sharing from a scar to inspire and connect versus sharing from some open wound that just bleeds out into everyone and everything. You know, I've never regretted waiting to share something personal, but I have regretted sharing something too soon. So for me, there's a very strong line between being a vulnerable person in public and sharing too much too soon all the time. To me, there is a healthy boundary here that we all must find for ourselves. However, I also think that there's a difference between having healthy boundaries with your life and being an absolute vault, right? And if I'm being honest, and when I do get honest with myself, I probably tend to hide behind the vault more than I should because that makes me feel safe right? Like when I was growing up, my dad, who I love very, very much was very deep and active alcoholism. And so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My mom was doing the best that she could to try to keep it all together. My dad and my mom only had high school degrees and they were just trying to make ends meet. And I grew up in a really small town where it wasn't, you know, quote unquote, okay to talk about issues like addiction and mental health. So with that, my view of how to show up and how to share in the world was shaped. The more that I could act like everything was great and keep kind of personal matters behind closed doors where they should be, the better off I would be. So of course, from that, what comes up is people pleasing and you know, making sure that what other people think of you is how it should be. And That is kind of what creates this false safe feeling for a lot of people that might've grown up that way or thought that way. Maybe you can relate to some of this. And if you can, then you know that as you grow up and you become an adult and you start to think and feel for yourself more in this world, hiding or suppressing your feelings and emotions is not healthy. Now, again, vomiting them out to everyone isn't either, but there is a boundary here. And when you grow up surrounded by untreated addiction or surrounded by untreated people dealing with someone else's untreated addiction, boundaries don't really exist and they don't really reveal themselves to you so clearly. So if you're anything like I was, you know, I didn't know what a boundary was or how to cultivate it for myself. And that was one of my biggest issues. I was able to or as I was able, I guess, I guess I should say, as I was able to define what boundaries were for me and how to clearly and effectively communicate them to other people, places, and things, this desire to want to share more of my personal life, of the personal me kept coming out. Now, if you want to know how I define boundaries now as a 35-year-old woman, it goes a little something like this. When I know that I am no longer delaying my happiness and when I am not subjecting myself to the abuse of other people 
or to the abuse that I may cause myself, be it emotionally, mentally, verbally, or otherwise, that is when I know that I am standing in my healthy boundaries. So for example, and I'm just going to make something up here. Let's say that I wanted to take my son to Disneyland. And so I planned this family trip and had this whole fantasy in my head of how it was going to go, right? I planned it. It was going to be amazing. It was going to be this surprise. It was going to be perfect. And let's say after it was all planned out and I spent a lot of time, energy, and effort doing it, I let my husband know about this amazing Disney trip. And he looks at me and he's like, Julie, I don't want to go on that trip. Does not sound fun. Don't want to do it. Don't care to do it. I'm not going. So here's how it usually plays out when you don't have boundaries. So the no boundary Julie would have most likely delayed her happiness by not speaking up. She would have just canceled the trip, kept all of her feelings inside like some doormat. And that sucks, right? Have you ever felt that when you were really excited about doing something, but someone didn't want to do what you wanted to do. So you just canceled the whole thing and then acted like you were fine while secretly wanting to strangle them on the inside, right? It sucks. Or something worse could happen. No boundary Julie would have become some crazy psycho punisher woman who started berating her husband on why he didn't want to go and why couldn't he just be normal like all the other husbands out there and just put a smile on your face and go on the trip and you need to do this and I'm going to make you do this. Or maybe the no boundary Julie would have even forced him to go. Now let's think about that forcing your husband to go to Disney, one of the most crowded places in the world filled with screaming children. Yeah. Sounds like a great time for everyone, right? Or no boundary. Julie could at the same time, just fall into that victimhood state, right? Of why is my marriage so awful? Why doesn't my husband ever want to do what I want to do? Why is everyone else's life perfect? Why can't we just have this fantasy trip that I made up in my mind? Why does my life suck? I should have married that other guy. Then my life would have been perfect. You know, I mean, not only is that massively delaying my happiness in my life, but it's also subjecting myself to some pretty messed up mental and emotional abuse that I am creating in my own body. Right? My husband saying he doesn't want to go is not creating that abuse. Me reacting in the way that I'm reacting to what he said is creating that abuse. So let's say that my husband and I discussed it. And at the end of the day, he just says, Jules, I don't want to go. Like, I'm I'm not going to go. I don't want to go. Now, if the healthy boundary, Julie, remembered that she's an adult and that she has choices Now we heard what the first three choices were, right? Being a doormat, canceling the whole thing, being a punisher and forcing him to do something that he doesn't want to do or being a victim, right? None of those choices, in my opinion, are healthy, but there is another choice. And one that I have found through my own experience is a lot healthier. It could be, you know what, husband, it really makes me sad to hear that you don't want to go like, ouch, like that hurts because it, it means a lot to me. It would have been nice to have a beautiful family experience altogether. And I would have hoped that you would have wanted that, but creating these memories and these experiences with our son is more important to me than you choosing not to go. So I'm going to go anyway. It's not the way I pictured it. It's not the way I want it to be, but I can't control you. I can only control my actions and reactions to things. So we're going to miss you 
but I'm going to go. That's also a choice. So you see, I had to learn that boundaries aren't about protecting or punishing my way through life to either get what I wanted, how I wanted it, and when I wanted it, or, or just curling up and playing the victim all the time. What I learned is that boundaries are about showing up, being vulnerable, being clear and kind, being light and polite, and telling who or what you want out of life and what you need, even if you can't control or predict them or the outcome. So for me, this was not easy to learn. This took a lot of years of life and a divorce and another marriage and therapy and becoming a first-time mom and growing a business to figure this out for myself. But boundaries have helped me tremendously in life. It helped me in my marriage. It helped me really communicate with my husband in the healthiest way that I've ever been able to. It helped me in my business and in my friendships. It helped me really gain the confidence that I needed to both mentally and emotionally to have better relationships in my life, to have the business that I have, to be the friend that I always wanted to be. And most importantly, it made me become the person that I always wanted to be. So much drama and just crap that I used to worry about in life is now completely gone because I have boundaries. They are freaking awesome, which is why one of the key elements that I teach in Shine, which is my new coaching program that we're launching next month in February, stems from this. It stems from learning this and not only learning it, but applying it to your life and to your business so you can truly have a life and a business and a relationship and a friendship that you freaking love. So little by little, my friends would start to see this in me. It showed up in the work that I did and how I coach students. And it naturally progressed to me now feeling confident, both mentally and emotionally, to open up to you more and more, to grow my family. You know, and it's crazy to think that boundaries actually allowed me to be more open in a healthy and authentic way. Because sometimes when you say that word boundaries, it sounds kind of confining, but it really feels empowering and right for, for me now in this stage of my life to kind of share this whole process of how I was able to figure this out and cultivate it and then share it with other people, which is why I'm really excited to start sharing more of my life with you. And that starts with this pregnancy news now. So let's get to some of those fun details. I'm now in my second trimester. I'm a little over four months pregnant. We do know what we're having, but we have not shared that yet. We are going to share it. We just haven't quite figured out when we want to do that. Um, we've shared it with our family. Um, I found out I was pregnant um, when John, who's my husband, he wasn't home. He was filming a movie in Georgia. Um, if you don't know, John is an actor and uh, he's he's kind of what I would call like an actor's actor, you know, like he's not a celebrity. He doesn't give a crap about fame or any of that stuff, but you would most likely recognize him just because he has been successfully acting for over 30 years. He's most recognized for a movie that he did in the nineties called that thing you do with Tom Hanks and Liv Tyler. He was the lead. He was Jimmy. who was the lead in that thing you do who was the jerk that said I quit and that wanted to dump her in Pittsburgh. Um, but 
that's so many people love that movie and, and kind of recognize him from that, but he has done a ton of TV shows and other films. And I think he starred in like over 90 projects or something. And he really is all about the craft. And one of his incredible gifts is his passion for what he does is, is acting. So luckily we were going to visit him a few days after I found out in Georgia. And I knew that he would be in that intense headspace, right? Um, of really being in his craft and of working. And when we came down to visit, because he was in the middle of filming, um, I kind of got this idea of like, it would kind of be like him walking in on me in the middle of a live webinar or like recording a podcast and being like, Hey babe, we got a kid coming, you know? So I was trying to find this quote unquote, perfect time to tell him. And we were still very early at this time. So obviously I wasn't telling you know, many people at all, but I kept kind of tiptoeing around telling him the whole weekend. Um, I even ordered a glass of wine like the first night and just kind of let it awkwardly sit there because I, like, I was just trying to play off that everything was normal. <laughs> but the next morning I woke up and I was just like, you know what, this is freaking stupid. There is no perfect way to, you know, share this news. You know, he's working. You can't do anything about that. I just need to get over myself and do it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. So I just kind of blurted it out in the bathroom. Um, he had kind of sensed that something was off with me. Like I was tired and I hadn't been feeling right. And I was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so wasn't very romantic. It wasn't how I had fantasized it to be, right? Which, you know, I talked about that idea of how fantasies can really lead to a lot of resentments, especially if we don't have boundaries, but it was real and it was honest. And he was excited. He was shocked, surprised, nervous, scared, all of the typical emotions that a lot of people can have, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I really didn't have a plan for how all of that would go down. We, we didn't even really know if we would ever have another child or not. Um, and planning can be great in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. Like planning can keep us focused. It can give us our marching orders. It can make us feel as if we have some kind of control over things, but the bad side of planning is that there can be expectations that come in and expectations are just nothing but premeditated resentments. So just take that in. <laughs> expectations are premeditated resentments. And I know that, and I believe that. And so whenever I catch myself expecting something to go a certain way, I'm like, Ooh, I'm really like signing myself up for some resentful feelings here. So with that said, a few years ago, we had some health stuff come up um, that were just kind of causing some obstacles. And we didn't even know if it was going to be possible to have another child naturally. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. 
This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Now, it wasn't super dramatic, but there was just some potential hurdles that could stand in the way if we were going to try naturally, so we were told. And unfortunately, so how many people I know are told nowadays. And you add that to the fact that we had also been living in LA up until this last year without any of our family there. And although we love the idea of having another child and growing our family, we just realistically didn't know if it would happen for us. So I just made a commitment to myself a few years ago to not really have a plan when it came to another baby. I wasn't going to be controlling about it. I wasn't going to have all these expectations of when and how and what, because I didn't want to deal with the resentment that could come from all of that expectation you know, we already deal with enough day in and day out, right? Why add these expectations to the long list of why our life isn't the way that we think that it should be? So to me, that was a boundary cross. I didn't want the resentment and really the shame that came with the expectation that I should have another child, but I can't, you know, or that we would have another child, but then we don't. And I also didn't want to endure that emotional abuse that can come with those feelings of thinking that something was wrong with my body or wrong with our life or wrong with, you know, our marriage or just plain wrong because our expectations of having a child and when we were going to have a child and how many children and all of that just kept getting violated. So I decided to just give it over to God a few years ago. I couldn't control the health stuff. I couldn't control where we lived at the time. I couldn't control anything when it came to this. And if I thought I could control something, I was lying to myself. So it may not have been what I wanted, right? Maybe it wasn't my fantasy at the time, but the circumstances, they just were what they were. So about a year ago, um, we just decided to allow ourselves to just be intimate when it felt right. We weren't controlling when or what or how many times or the position or anything. I did get off birth control because I can control that. I also used the Flow app to track my cycle, but that was pretty it at the time. Um, And again, I was using the Flow app to really just kind of track just my cycle in in general. I had learned a lot about... um, a woman's cycle and how it's connected to the moon and all of these really fascinating things. Um, last year when I was connecting with my friend, Kate Northup, who actually, she was on the podcast talking about this. She had a great book come out last year called do less. And, um, and Kate just really kind of got me intrigued with all of this, but I didn't want to feel shitty about myself by fantasizing about how it would end up only to end up not being pregnant month after month if that was going to be what was going to happen. So we weren't not trying, but we also weren't trying to force anything, if that makes sense. So about nine months of this went by 
And that's when we made the move back to Nashville, which is my hometown this past summer. And as to be expected, we had a lot going on, just like we all do when we're moving. Um, We bought this house that needed some pretty major innovations. Those were getting massively pushed back. Uh, Camden was starting kindergarten. John was booking projects, and so he wasn't in town. I was trying to get my life in order by running a business. And so with all of that, I was trying to just, again, monitor my cycle because I really started to notice how my body would change when I was getting close to, uh, when I was premenstrual or when I would start to, um, you know, have my, my week of the month, if you will. And I started to kind of notice how my mood would change and how, um, my eating habits would change and how tired I was and, and all of those things. And so I got the Ava bracelet because I had heard from a lot of friends that it's just really good at tracking when you're ovulating, it's probably going to be better than an app. Um, so I did get that. Um, and I put that on probably at the beginning of summer to just, again, make sure that I was in tune with my cycle because I wanted to just kind of keep tabs on that. You know, I'm also getting older. And so I was just trying to really listen and pay more attention to my body. So once the fall came around and John was in and out of town to work, um, there was this one weekend that he was in town. We cuddled (laughs) the next day he left and a couple of weeks went by and I checked that app. So I'd been using the Ava bracelet and then I had been just like keeping tracks of everything. What's cool about that app is, um, you can put like any symptoms, like if you're, if you have cramps or if you drank that day or, you know, how heavy is your flow, you know, a bunch of different things like that. So I had known from the Ava bracelet that the, I think it was the night before, like the night that he was in town where we cuddled, that was like one or two nights before I was supposed to ovulate if the bracelet was correct. But there had been other months over the last year that we had had similar situations happen and I didn't get pregnant. So I didn't think much of it. Um, so a couple of weeks went by and I was due just for my annual checkup, you know, like that really fun thing that us women have to do once a year. And I go in And whenever you go in to get your annual, you know, they always ask you if you're pregnant. And so I told her, I was like, well, I mean, I guess I could be because I'm not on birth control. And, you know, this bracelet and this app said that I should be ovulating a couple of days uh, after my husband and I had sex. So, I mean, I don't know. And uh, when she asked me what the first day of my last cycle was, she was like, oh, girl, there is no need to do a test. Even if you were pregnant, you are way too early. It would not show up. So don't even worry about it. So, you know, that seemed logical enough to me. I mean, obviously more logical than an app telling me or a bracelet, right? Like that's what I was thinking anyway. So I went on about the exam and just about my life and, um, Per the app and the ovulation tracker with Ava, I was due for my lovely time of the month that week. And uh, I woke up that week and there was nothing. So being the curious person that I am, I dropped Camden off at the bus stop and went over to Walgreens, grabbed a test. And I had remembered the nurse saying that it was too early to tell. And so even if it was negative, I knew that 
you know, there's two tests in those packages. So I was like, well, I can have an extra one and take one later. The thing is, obviously that idea of being pregnant was exciting and I hoped that maybe I could be, but I also remembered what the nurse said and I was just kind of banking my cycle off of a bracelet and an app. So it was kind of like, you know, I guess take it or leave it kind of thing. Well, the next thing I know, the test says positive really two dark red lines on that. So the first thing I thought was like, that nurse was full of crap, man. And then of course I thought it couldn't be right maybe. So I took another test, also positive. Then I felt my body and I noticed that my boobs were sore. I mean, all of those kinds of symptoms, but then I'm like, well, maybe I'm also supposed to start, you know, you just, you just kind of psych yourself out mentally in some ways. So I called the doctor's office And I let them know that the test said pregnant and that their nurse was full of crap. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that about the nurse, but I did think about it. And, uh, and then I knew that it was time to get ready to tell John, we were going to Georgia to see him a few days later. And so I wanted to see him in person to share that with him. And so I'm actually going to have him on the podcast now to kind of just share a little bit of that and his experience so far. So then it was time for me to share the news with John. And I thought it would be better to have him on here to kind of share his experience than me try to tell you what his experience was or has been from all of this. So with that, hi, John. Hi. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about the fact that we're having another baby. And, uh, what? I, oops, <laughs> the jig is up. Um, so yeah, when I came down to Georgia to tell you, do you remember what your initial thought was? Well, if you remember, I said, you've been acting a little different. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when, I knew something, I knew the gig was up. Yeah. Well, you were like, I'm so tired. I was like, me too. Cause I'm pregnant. <laughs> so how did that. How, how was that for you? No, I didn't. That, that, I literally said, what, what's been going on with you? And right. So I'm pregnant. Yep. That's what you said. And then how was that for you? Well, I think something told me that you were. It was a magical evening we had. Um, a lot of intention, a lot of truth, a lot of connection. And uh, I knew, you know, I, I knew good things came of it. I didn't know it was going to be something this magical. Were you... Were you surprised? Yeah, I was I was surprised. Are you scared? Yeah. Nothing scares me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little nervous. I definitely am a little nervous. I don't I care about um how Camden was gonna receive it, how mm-hmm. you were gonna receive it, mm-hmm. how our um how my community in Hollywood was gonna receive it because I'm at a place where I really need to get a um, another step in the career, and I know that I need to really focus on that. Yeah. And having a little one here is fine. It's mm-hmm. all going to be good, but I definitely was worried about my ability to help keep this family moving here in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, we were even just talking about I'm getting booted out of my office because that's going to now be the baby room. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, where do we go? Because your office is across 
the hall from the soon-to-be baby room. Yeah, well, my office is, hasn't been uh, established yet. So. Because we've been living, living in your office yeah. because our master bathroom isn't done yet. So we're not sleeping in there yet because it's too crazy and chaotic. So it's still been kind of an, an influx. Um, so when when we left Georgia, you obviously stayed because you were filming and you had more to do. And then you got back. And then I, I really, I was not feeling good at that time. I mean, that's when I really started to like dry heave and I've been having nighttime sickness instead of morning sickness and all of that stuff. And then you had to go, not had to, you wanted to, you went to go see your family a few weeks before Christmas, before they came here. But you were kind of like, how am I going to go and not tell them that yeah. we're having a baby? Yeah. Um, it's a big part of my life where I, I really love to tell everyone everything. I don't like to hide anything. I like to be, I'm an open book. And, um, you know, they're like, why are you so concerned in certain areas about coming here, the cost of coming here, all that kind of stuff. It just was my, was me trying to say, we're having a child and I don't, I can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know why, if I should go there or not, or wait because i don't want to blow it but um yeah and why were we waiting well because it, everyone was coming here for christmas and mm -hmm. it wanted to make it a magical experience for everyone even uh um you know the gender reveal which you know was yeah fabulous yeah which we've done but we're not sharing yet yeah which was fun because we didn't really we didn't do that with with camden they didn't have that available. Or maybe they did. We just didn't know about it. Yeah, it was just a different... It took a couple people doing those um, gender reveals where fires were started and things were toppled over. Forests were burning down. Yeah. We were like, oh, what are those things? Well, we don't need to go that far out. Right. We could do a gender reveal. Yeah, I think I might have sent my mom a cupcake with uh -huh. like blue stuff in the middle. Maybe. I can't remember. That's the thing. I can't, I can't remember. And actually, um, at Pilates this morning, they were asking me that... They were like, how long has it been since you were pregnant? And I said, well, uh, you know, six and a half, I have a six-year-old, so six and a half-ish years ago. And I I don't remember a lot of things. I don't remember what it's really like to have a, you know, nine-pound baby and even, you know, changing diapers, like baby diapers. All of that's just... Just got to get through one stage at the, from the next. I know. That's literally what you have to do. Yeah. We, we have, a, our body has experience. Our brains have forgotten. Yeah. Um, but they'll remember just like riding a bicycle. Yeah, hopefully. And your body, uh, it just amazes me how the human body, especially the female, can can do this over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Have you seen changes yet in my body? <laughs> changes? Waddling yeah. around. Yeah, you got a bump. I do. Yeah. I'm a little bump. <laughs> um, one, thing, one thing, when I first met you, I said... Wow, she would look gorgeous pregnant. Oh, that's sweet, babe. Yeah, it's true. Thank you. Because us pregnant women don't always feel that way. Well, you're gorgeous. Sometimes more gorgeous than others, but always gorgeous. Mm. I appreciate that. Um, it's hard to feel that way pregnant. It's especially this stage because you just feel fat. Like... <laughs> I shouldn't even say that because that's not a kind word to use to describe, but it's like that chubbiness of I'm not really showing, but nothing fits. Just looks like I've eaten too many bagels, which I have. 
You've eaten everything. I everything. Yeah. My food cravings have been off the charts and just very vast and different than Camden. With Camden, I I liked meat and I mean, there's still some of the same stuff that I'm eating. I just and drinking, but it's it's felt different. It's been different. Well, it looks like you got some new food sent here today. I did from Saqqara. I do it every year. Yeah. It's a great meal plan. Um, and it's just, it's plant-based, healthy, clean stuff. Now that I'm feeling a little bit better and I'm not dry heaving all the time and I'm, you want to do more stuff than just sleep. I'm trying to eat somewhat better than I did over Christmas and, and everything else. It's important. Yeah. It makes you feel better inside. It does. Yeah. Um, something else that's happened that you were talking about this week. So you were working in our backyard and got poison oak. I got poison oak from head to toe. Which has been awful. <laughs> but you were like, don't, don't husbands get. Yeah. It was like the feelings of, you know, not liking your body and feeling bad and, you know, lethargic and. I was like, I wonder if that's like me trying to relate to you in some strange pregnant way. It's like your pregnancy symptoms. They do say that that happens. I'm eating right now, by the way, because I'm starting to get a little nauseous. Um, But they do say that sometimes the husbands can take that on or they're like, my back hurts. Yeah, my back. My back was hurting at first. Then I got poisoned. I'm gaining weight. (laughs) Well, I can't work out because the sweat is one thing that uh, spread spread this all across my body. That's crazy. Bad. Well, what are your, what are your, I mean, you said you didn't have many fears. Do you have any challenges or being, I guess, a second time dad this time around, even though you haven't been a dad of a newborn in a really long time? There's definitely challenges just along with the house. Making sure that everything is blessed where we, like I get rid of the poison oak so that no one gets sick. Um, And clearing that area out so that uh, we can all enjoy that big old tennis court. Can they play uh, wiffle ball there? You have to explain what the tennis court is. Okay, so there's a massive tennis, tennis court on our property out here in Nashville. And it was just overgrown, completely overgrown. There's probably about close to 200 trees I cut down. Right. In like order, it's when it we say tennis court, it's not like, oh, hey, we're fancy. We have a tennis court in it the backyard. It was about 200 trees of many different types and shapes and sizes yes. that were growing and are still growing. In the tennis court. Like the, the tennis court has not the, been looked at in 30 years. Yeah. And I literally cleared it out. Not completely by myself, but pretty much mostly by myself. And then we got a tractor and then we've been able to clear it out. And then we're going to try to not necessarily save the tennis court. But make it a recreational area for Camden. The, the fence is still up and it's still good. And we're going to make it look really a lot of fun and, and really a great play area for uh, children. In Other our than area. the massive trees. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so crazy. I'd never seen anything like it. We were like, oh, well, there's an overgrown, like sold. Yeah, we, <laughs> we'll we when we bought it, everything was, wasn't growing. So we saw the tr- trees, but we didn't really see what was there. Yeah, we did not know what we were getting into with it that. It's just unbelievable. But uh, I've been going at it every single day, and finally, it, it got the weather got here. It got so warm. I think everything came back and bloomed, and that was including the bad stuff. And makes me um, want to clear it out so that we can have um, some more clarity. I think those kind of things, when you really, when you focus on them, and you get get through them. There's there's 
understanding inside of us, you know? And so even take care of the house, uh, making it prepared for a baby, um, step by step, day by day, uh, preparing myself to, uh, how to attract that, uh, job that is going to fit for this family. Um, in my business, I'm a Hollywood actor. Um, an actor on a tractor. Actor and a tractor. And, uh, just trying to be in the light as much as I possibly can be. And Camden took the news very well. Oh my God. It was great. It was great on Christmas day. He didn't get it at first. No, he didn't know. Cause we, we had boxes for everyone in our family that were here Christmas morning with a picture of the ultrasound. And so we had them all open it up at the same time, even though my father-in-law, John's dad opened his up early. I know. And started talking about it. <laughs> like, that, so, that made me go, okay, we have to do this like now, yeah, right now. Right. And he's like, I didn't see anything. Are we going on a cruise? <laughs> it's like, so then we, everyone else opened it up. My family wasn't as surprised because they've seen me a lot lately. And, and you told your mom. My mom knew. Big my knew. Yeah. Some, like my sister-in-law so knew because we had gone to New York a couple of weeks before that. And I was so miserable there and just eating everything and not drinking. Not drinking and, was the key. Yeah. Right? It when, was. Everyone was like, you know, she's, she's pregnant because she's not drinking. I'm not having my wine. Yeah, no one's having actually had some people DM me like random people that I don't know personally on Instagram saying like, are you pregnant? You haven't, I haven't seen you with a glass of wine lately. I was like, geez, do I Instagram wine a lot? Um, but we opened it and then your family was very surprised and shocked, which was nice because that was the intention. And then Camden didn't really understand. He opened up a t-shirt that said big bro on it and he couldn't spell it. So he didn't know what was going on. He got kind of and then, yeah. but then as soon as he really, he's that was his uh, on his list, Christmas list. It was. He's been saying that for a while now. That and the bunny. Uh, so, <laughs> so he got a a battery operated bunny. Yeah. From Santa, and a a baby. Um, and then we did the gender reveal right after that. We Camden hit a baseball. Perfectly. He did a great job, yeah. which was really fun. All those little league training sessions paid off. They did. Coach John. Well, any other last thoughts on growing our family, being a dad again at, at 50 years old, by the way, which so for anyone out there that feels like you're too old to grow a family, did you feel that way? Well, you're never too old to do anything, um, except maybe play football or baseball. <laughs> you could be too old to do those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's there's a, there's a youth on the outside and there's a youth on the inside. And through my um, commitment and love for you, I've been able to find a whole new me. So I may be five zero, but I feel brand new. Feel tw I make you feel twenty, babe. No, 35 -ish. 35. Hey, that's what I am. Yeah, they'll still cast me as the older guy, but mm -hmm. still, I, I have a I have a newfound love for life. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and just to know that it's possible. I mean, we didn't know if this was going to be possible. Like I, I knew it was going to be possible. Medically. I mean, but we didn't. You know, yeah, well, there you, were some things. You, um, yeah, there was, yeah. There's a lot of obstacles. Yeah, in there, the was, way. there was there was some true obstacles. Yeah, there were some obstacles in and the that's way why that I we tell had you to... that, that one night that we 
um, cuddled. Cuddled. Yeah. We uh, we found we found love. Yeah. So, one thing this baby is gonna have is love. It will have lots of that. Yes. Yeah, we're we're so um, we're so blessed is a great word. The we are um, just being held, and every day I just remind myself how how grateful I should be and am am every day. I'm grateful for having an amazing wife. Um, the word is wasn't what it was. It's redefined, and I really love you for that. Mm. I love you too. I'm excited for this next step. Yeah. I'm not as scared this time around as I, I think I was the first time because you don't know what you don't know. I feel like I know a little bit about what I'm getting into. And I feel like so much abundance came from after I had a baby just as a mom. And then everything, it was like Camden's just energy came in and really allowed for so much expansion. And I don't know if we would have had another child if we would have stayed in California. I really don't. Well, you you have support. Yeah. You have an amazing family here. Yeah. I mean, every single one of those people are just... Those crazy people. Great people. <laughs> just great they people. They are. A beautiful community of, uh, of families. Yeah. I mean, it's a family-oriented place. It is. Um, the goals and aspirations are are part of this community, but they're they're intertwined with um, family. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what people are flocking to Nashville, Tennessee, for mm-hmm. because they realize, you know, th- there's an there's a beautiful beautiful uh, weather in California, mm-hmm. um, but it's so congested with with people going there to live free, right? Mm-hmm. But the families suffer. Because mm-hmm. then they they have to be regulated. There's certain schools, and it's overpopulated in certain ways. And you know, it's nice to take a breath and, and step back. And that's what we've been able to do and see that the world we're still connected to the world. Mm-hmm. The world's still we're still part of it. You know, we're still part of uh, whatever I, I manifested out there thirty some years ago. You know, still part of the, the whole community out there in Hollywood, and and they'll t- they'll take care of. I'll take care of me, and they'll. They'll, they'll support oh, that. They'll support that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's possible, I guess, to, you know, still have lives and careers and families and... You could do both. You can do both, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, you just need to be very honest and true and get to the place where you're letting uh, it naturally unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like you can't force anything. Is there anything that you're going to do different this time around? Just lessons learned, things that when you look back on having a baby that you'll do differently now because you have had one? Well, I won't take a Xanax before (laughs) you're about to give birth. Even though it was a fun experience. What happened with that? I was present. I was very present in the birth of our son, but I had just taken a Xanax because you <laughs> you said, I, I said I wasn't going into yeah. labor. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get some sleep. And, and if you don't know me, I can't sleep. So I have to take a Xanax to calm down. And yeah. as you can imagine, I was hyper as it was. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to go into labor tonight. And so I took a Xanax. And then 45 minutes later. Yeah, my dad's like, come on, we got to take her to the hospital. Oh, my God. Full on. Yeah. Labor at the house. Yeah, that Mercedes drove itself, pretty certain. In the middle of the night. Yeah. And I was, I didn't want to leave the house. 
I'm glad we left. I would have had the baby there. Yeah, you literally, I literally would have had hospital. our baby because we were told to hold out as long as we possibly could, and we did. Yeah, because we were having a natural childbirth with Camden, and um, my birthing coach said at the time she was like, "If you go to the hospital early, you will you will scream for an epidural. So if you want to have this baby natural, and if your body can, and if you're healthy enough to do it, you have to wait until you can't wait anymore to go to the hospital. Otherwise you will choke someone out to get an epidural. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And we got to the hospital and I was 10 plus two centimeters dilated with Camden. He was literally coming out of my body, which was crazy. They were like, oh my God, there's the head. Like, can you please hold? So we'll yeah, see how this hold? one goes. Okay, we're not, yeah, we, can you hold? <laughs> can you wait for your doctor to get yeah. here? And it was excruciating. You were amazing. It was, but I've never, I, I, I think that's a, another thing. I think women have, that have had babies have amnesia. That's what actually allows us to keep procreating and having more children and bringing more life into the world. Because otherwise, if you remembered all of that, I don't know how how many women would continue to have babies because it's... It, it, women are amazing. They process crazy. things through emotionally. That's one thing that men cannot do. We can't process things like you do, the rate that you guys do. Yeah. You shake things off. We, we hold them, begrudge them <laughs> forever. So, yeah, no Xanax. No Xanax. Um... I mean, I, I don't know what else I could, I'm sure there, there'll be uh, new chapters and I know they're building chapters. Like it's time for me to rise and I'm rising. So as, as, uh, as this baby is born, it will give me a new birth in, in many areas of my life and whatever they may be, I'm willing and able and ready. So I want to love you through it all. Well, and the babies come with their own bowl of rice. That's yeah. like the. I think it's Chinese. It's like a Chinese proverb that they say they come with their own bowl of rice. Yeah, their own their own bit of abundance. That's not good. Not a literal bowl of rice. Horrible Chinese experience. Yeah, that was really bad. Indian. One thing I'm going to do differently this time around is be more vocal about what it is I need. First, I'm I'm going to to actually figure out and know what it is that I need. And then I'm going to actually share that with people. Cause the first time around I didn't, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had. Yeah. You're good at, uh, at, at root. So you're able to process things from one to 10 without skipping a number. And that's really important for a lot of brains. Like my brain can't do that. So it's important that you actually give them instructions. Yeah. I'm going to have a plan. Yeah. Well, and just give myself a little bit more boundaries. Cause I didn't do that the first time around and I kind of had like a lot of postpartum stuff because yeah. I was, we're going to have more fun. I was insane. Yeah, I wasn't was getting scary. sleep. I mean, we, we were, we were brand new to one another. Yeah. It was crazy as parents and, and as, I was just forcing work and just trying. I know you were like, gotta go. Something suddenly came up. <laughs> yeah. And I was forcing it. I was forcing these people to, to make me work. Yeah. So like what, which I, needed to. Yeah. Well, and that was your way of, yeah. you know, each person's going to have their way of like coping, dealing, fig figuring out like how, how, how do I live now as a, as a parent and as a, still as a human being and as a man or a woman and a spouse and a business person and a creative. And, you know, so we all have our own process. I think the biggest takeaway for me was just to not take that personal like Q-tip. It's a great tool. Quit taking it personal. 
Yeah. Like however you process is however you process. And a lot of times, like it really is on the, on the woman, especially that first year. I mean, you can't breastfeed. I can give you a bottle and you can feed a baby, but you can't breastfeed. Um, there's a lot of attachment and things like that. So I think I know that freaking breast pump. pump. It's the worst. I mean, we already feel like heifers and then we get that. Yeah. It's just, I still have it. I'm glad I kept it. And the shushing. Yeah. What is it? Shushing, swinging, swaddling. Uh, There's like the five S's, shushing, swinging, swaddling. Uh, Swabbing. No. Smothering, smothering, no. No, no not smothering. <laughs> Swinging, shushing, swaddling, sucking. It's, is it Har- Har- Harvey? I can't remember. It's been so long. The, the baby whisperer, I think is his name. He's a doctor and he developed the five S's to like calming and soothing a baby. Yeah. I don't remember what they are. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And having your baby. And having my baby. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So that leads us to today. We have talked about my journey with opening up, um, how that makes me feel more confident being pregnant this time around, um, how I found out, how I told John, and where we're moving forward with now. Um, I know I mentioned this when I was talking to John, but one of the biggest things that I learned from my first time being pregnant, the biggest lessons, if you will, is really making sure that I speak up and share my truth. Um, You don't know what you don't know. And when I was pregnant with Camden, you know, I didn't know what I was thinking. I just, I was just crazy. Like I, I had a pretty easy pregnancy and labor and delivery. Um, my pregnancy this time around has been harder. It's, you know, I've been way more sick. I've had a lot of, a lot of nausea. I've been really tired. I've actually thrown up with this pregnancy. I didn't with my first. Um, so there's, there's just been a lot of difference. I'm also not like 20, you know, nine, 28 anymore being pregnant. I'm 35. And so there's just a difference there. Um, but one of the hardest thing for me my first time around having a child was not the pregnancy and was not the labor and delivery. It was the postpartum. My postpartum was really, really rough. And I think if you're anyone that has ever dealt with any kind of postpartum issues or challenges at all, um, you don't even realize when you're in it, how bad it is until you're to the other side of it. Um, I, did not have to get on medication. Um, luckily, thankfully, um, I'm a firm believer in that you do what you got to do, but mine wasn't to that intense of full-blown depression, but it was what my mom called the baby blues. I remember, you know, I was not sleeping. My milk production was not coming in. I was stressed out. John had to leave to go back to work. And I, thought that I could just be in LA by myself and be with a baby all day and all night with no support and no husband. Shout out to all of you single mamas out there that do that with a newborn. I mean, you are a better woman than me. It literally almost drove me insane. Um, 
for about three months, I did that to the point that I was like, I, I, I literally can't do this anymore. I need help. But I didn't know how to ask for it. I kind of felt ashamed to ask for help. You know, I remember growing up, I was one of four. My mom had four kids and she would always say, you know, I never had a nanny, you know, like I had 10 million kids and I never had a nanny. My aunts always say that. And well, I had 15,000 kids on the military base and I never had a nanny. And so I, I had remembered that there was like this stigma of like shame around getting help, you know? And I just said, well, if, if my family can do it and they have way more kids than I do, then I can do it. But I couldn't. And, you know, it's a different time in 2020 than it was back in the eighties. I also worked full time. You know, I wasn't a stay at home mom. Um, and it's just not, it wasn't in me. I needed help. I didn't have my husband there. Um, even though my aunt would say, well, her husband was in the military and off on a base. So she didn't have a husband there either, but I didn't have a community. I was very new to LA. I didn't know anyone. I really had no one. I felt so alone, so isolated other than my sweet baby. That's all that I had. And I remember how lonely that I felt and then how shameful I felt for feeling lonely. If that makes sense. It was, it was very odd. And then I would be super codependent yet didn't want anyone around at the same time. It was just, it was very weird. And I remember crying in the shower and I remember thinking that I had made like this terrible mistake by wanting to be a mom and it was just a lot. And so knowing what I know now this time around, and again, having better boundaries at 35 than I did at 28 and really knowing myself more, I'm going to be able to clearly define what it is that I need during those first few months of having a newborn baby. So what I have decided at least for today, and my mind may change because I really do want to take it one day at a time. One of the things I'm going to do this time around is to not have anyone come to the hospital unless they are family. Um, just for me, that's a really intense time. I had Camden naturally. I'm planning on having this baby naturally and whether you have a baby naturally or not, or whether you get a cesarean, like it's a lot on our bodies. We're, we're either being cut open or we've got like things just coming out on all ends, right? You're trying to learn how to nurse. You're trying to get your baby to latch. It's just a lot on top of being physically exhausted from what you just went through and not getting any sleep. And a lot of times you're on heavily, like heavy medication for, you know, the pain. So I've decided that I didn't want anyone at the hospital other than immediate family. And then once I am able to get home, I have decided to have visiting hours. And I had never thought about this. And my girlfriend, Joy Shaw, who's actually going to be my doula this time around, she's amazing, told me, you should really implement visiting hours. And you don't have to call it that. It doesn't have to be so formal, but just every day, because again, every day is going to be different, how you feel, how the baby feels. You can just have your husband or your mom or whoever's there to help you, you know, respond to your text messages or answer your phone calls to say, you know, today, you know, Julie would love to have you come by between the hours of blank and blank. And if people want to come, they can. And if not, then they don't have to. And you can just let people know, 
you know, that you're ready to take a nap, you know, Hey, feel free to come between 12 and five. And then after that, Julie and the baby are going to go down for a nap or whatever that is. I'd never thought about the first time around. And I thought that was genius. I don't know. I would love to know if any of you have ever done that or, or if, if you were smart enough to do that the first time around and how that helped you. Because when she said that it was like this weight had just come off of me of like, Oh wow. Like I can actually tell people like, when is an okay time to come and visit? Like, Whoa, mind blown, you know? Um, so I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to go easy on myself this time around. Um, as much as I can, I am going to really try to get some rest. I remember, I don't know if it was the hormones or the adrenaline or what it was, but I literally could not nap with my first. Like even when he was napping, I couldn't nap. So I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to really just, if there's dirty laundry, there's just dirty laundry. If there's dirty dishes, there's just dirty dishes. Just lay down. Um, I didn't, I didn't really take care of myself in that way the first time around. And I'm also going to give myself some grace when it comes to breastfeeding. Um, I had a really hard time doing it the first time around. I'm going to give it a go this time and do the best that I can. And that's good enough. I don't know how long I'll do it. I think with Camden, I did it for about five months. Um, we'll see. And that's enough. <laughs> so with that said, I am really excited to share this all with you. I'm excited to have your support. If you are a mom, if you're a mom of multiples, if you're a mom like me who had a baby five, six, seven years ago, and then you had another one, I would love to know what that experience was like for you. Um, if you have any tips on what I should do on what I should buy. I mean, a lot of things I just don't remember. Um, if you have any tips on how to take care of myself when I come home from the hospital, um, of how to give myself a break of how to, you know, be light and polite with people and tell them, I love you. Now get the F out of my house. Any, <laughs> any advice that you have or wisdom or experience or strength or hope that you could share, I would greatly appreciate it. And I will continue to do the same with you. Um, thank you for listening. If you have any, any type of responses today from this episode, please head over to my Instagram, leave a comment. You'll see a post where we announced the pregnancy today, leave a comment there or DM me if you want, send me a voice DM if you want. Uh, if you feel compelled to share this pregnancy episode, please do. Um, it was really nice to just open up more to you guys. Um, I have been trying to do that this month. Um, it was really nice to have John come on and just be him and share him and for you guys to get to know him a little more. And um, we're really excited for what's to come. So thank you guys so much for being here today. And I cannot wait for next week's episode. I am finally, I'm so excited to say that I am launching coaching this year, one-on-one -on -one coaching through a new membership program called Shine. And I'm going to be talking a lot about my lessons learned through through deciding to do this, knowing when I was ready to finally show up and coach, 
how I'm going to be coaching. And if you want to be coached by me, how that can happen all next week on the podcast. But if you want to get an early sneak peek preview into that, you can head over to juliesolomon.net slash shine waitlist to get on that wait list. And then there's a guide that you can download on that page to get all of the information about the new membership. All right, guys, thank you so much. I'm going to go eat something because I'm always hungry nowadays. I will talk to you next week. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right, I will see you again, same time, same place next week.